I was an engineer and in 2008 lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I've helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. Hey there, it's Craig Ansell, your host of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. Welcome back to another awesome episode. We're jumping right into episode 111, how to communicate effectively. This is going to be a longer show, so this will be part one. I recently had a conversation coaching one of my students about the techno speak on one of the websites they had navigated to. This particular student was looking for a job and she was guided to a website to upload her resume and job application information. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, being redirected from the company that you're intending to apply to, to like a general job submission hosting company. She ran into a few challenges, a few of which I will share with you. That prompted me to do some additional research, and it turns out it's a more common problem than you would expect. Here you are, looking to apply to local companies, Try to get your resume, your application in, in the best manner possible so you can shine the best light on yourself and show how you're the best candidate for the role. And then there's techno. There's technical issues navigating the job and application submission websites. When you click on the help screens, if you can find them, it's very difficult to get a hold of a person one-on-one, whether it's through an actual online chat, a phone call. You're more than likely going to hit a bot. And those bots just use general information databases to try to help you get through the answers that you need to make your submission successful. But one of the areas she ran into for needing help was the fact that acronyms were used. Many times websites, job message boards, job submission boards are designed by engineers. Hey, why not? I'm an engineer, right? But sometimes we talk and we write in a technical level that does not meet up or align with our customers, our guests that are going to visit the website. A perfect example is this in the job world, which works well for our show, Career Growth Made Easy. ATS, that acronym, ATS, was used repeatedly on that particular job board, along with some others I did some research for, and the challenge there is that acronym was not well-defined. On some job boards, it's not defined at all. You're just supposed to know what it means. Now, if you've listened to my show for quite some time, you may recognize what the ATS acronym stands for. It stands for Applicant Tracking Systems. It's a software tool, typically online, that is used by companies or by hiring companies that would work for other companies and amass resumes, cover letters, job applications to filter through those applications to try to get to the best candidates, the cream of the crop, if you will. From there, then, those submissions are sent to the final hiring company so that they can make their decisions on who they might like to interview. The problem is, when the ATS is just an acronym, it leaves us questioning what it is, 
what it, how it affects us, and why it's important. You might define it and say it's an applicant tracking system. Sure, okay, that helps a little. But what's its purpose, right? We have to remember when communicating and attempting to communicate effectively that if we use acronyms, we need to not only define them, but confirm with our audience, even if it's a one-on-one audience, that they understand what we're discussing. I've worked in some large corporations, and as such, believe it or not, we have acronyms that sometimes in different parts of the company mean completely different things, but they have the exact same spellings. If you work in engineering, one acronym might mean something to you. If you work in another part of the company, such as finance, it might be a completely different meaning. So we really need to remember who our audience is that we're speaking to. And if you have a mixture of audience members, it might be worth taking the time to poll your audience or to simply define what the item is that you're describing, definitely clearing up the acronym so everyone's clear and understands what the focus is of the discussion. But before we move on to continue talking about communicating effectively, let's not overlook ATS that I mentioned earlier. Applicant tracking systems or applicant tracking software are tools again used by hiring companies or companies' jobs are to amass the resumes, applicant letters, potentially cover letters, and scan them to categorize them for value and kind of assign points, if you will, to find the best candidates so that it can minimize the time that the true hiring company is looking to place the roles, positions, excuse me, place candidates in those roles, and they want to make sure they focus their time on the best applicants. There are some examples when applicant tracking systems are used that you need to basically check the requirements, check the boxes, make sure you complete the checklist. If you have a partial submission or if your resume application, or potentially cover letter doesn't have the necessary data or it's formatted in a particular way that's not compatible with the applicant tracking system software that scans, you might end up having a status of incomplete. Typically, those are not forwarded along to the hiring companies because that wouldn't be fair to others, nor does your your scan have all the information necessary to move forward in the uh, interviewing process. So what's so important about this ATS when it comes to career growth made easy, job applications, and you getting the opportunity to interview for a job after your submissions? A big part of the ATS is having the structure, the ability to read your documents, that they're formatted clearly, cleanly, that you follow the process when communicating about what style of document to use, what type of document. Should it be a Word file? typically DOC or DOCX extension at the end of your file name? Should it be a PDF? If so, how many pages? Is there a limitation, a minimum, a maximum, or a suggested length? All those tips can help you be more successful when communicating and sending in your job application information. Now, I mentioned earlier a couple times about your application and your resume, but it's not too often used anymore, but cover letters. Sometimes that makes people cringe. You may not know what a cover letter is. It depends on, you know, what area of you are you're at in your career growth journey. Or maybe if you have more experience, you've actually written a couple cover letters, perhaps with success of getting an interview, perhaps not. 
I believe a cover letter's job is to introduce you to the hiring company. Its job is to get them interested in you so that they would read your resume. Basically, a cover letter's job is to say, hey, here I am. Here's why I'm a great candidate for the said position, and I'd really like you to get to know me better by reading my resume. In order to do that and communicate effectively, your cover letter has to have a strong structure, it has to have good data, good content, and tell a clean, crisp, clear story about yourself and why you are one of the best, if not the best candidate for the role. In order to do that, you need to know about the company, you need to know about their mission, their vision statements, find out from those companies what people are saying about them, the customers and people interested in working there or buying their products, what people say, how do they feel. You kind of connect with that company and you're going to do it so, do so it, excuse me, you're going to do so through writing with your cover letter, kind of just, again, introducing yourself, but connecting with that other company by knowing their interests, their likes, their dislikes, what they stand for. It's kind of what the mission and vision statement are for. But this episode really isn't about applicant tracking system nor the job application process. I just wanted to give you a reminder, as part of our show is about that, that I wanted you to have that in mind. I have several other episodes that focus specifically on resumes, preparing them for handing in person, as well as submitting online and going through those applicant tracking systems. So feel free to scroll through my episodes and listen to a few of those. They may help you out. Now, Talking about communicating effectively. One other thing that's out there that can cause trouble is something called weasel words. Sounds kind of funny, but these are blanket statements such as some people say or studies show. How about evidence suggests? It's used to avoid specifying information without using an authority. It's a vague expression. Here's the problem by trying to quote things. You know, some people say when you're in a presentation or having a conversation, hey, you know what, Craig, studies suggest. Well, evidence suggests the following. When you don't quote an authority, it generally creates a lack of trust. Now, I know you might be sitting there and challenge me on that, but I'll tell you it can even happen subliminally. You don't realize it, but by someone continuing to use those blanket statements, weasel words, if you will, some people say, studies show, you know, evidence suggests that eventually will get old and then somebody's going to call you on that, whether it's when you're giving a discussion or you're writing something down. It could be an email, could be a text, whatever the case. And if you're writing reports or presentations, I strongly recommend avoiding weasel words because it weakens your talk. You should reference your sources and make sure those references are accurate if you're wanting to communicate effectively. Because part of communicating effectively is having the confidence to know what you're talking about. You may not have created and been the author of all the information you're sharing, whether it's one-on-one or you're speaking to your team or a large group of people, but you should have the data to support the information you're sharing or the direction you're guiding the team on. There should be some kind of background, something to tie it all together so that there's a foundation for your talk. That leads me into knowing your audience. 
even if it's an audience of one, it's important to know them, know their level of understanding about the conversation you're going to have. In fact, there's an old saying out there, and it's called, don't talk at them, talk to them. What that means is you don't want to just share information blindly, like you have a roster and a checklist of things that you have to get off your chest or get out of your head and, you know, on into writing in a presentation or during a discussion, just walk up to someone and unload on them. That's not the goal. The whole point of communication is to have an effective two-way street. There's also an old saying out there that we have two ears and one mouth, meaning we should listen twice as much as we speak. That sounds funny, but it's a very important fact that many times we talk and we talk too much. We fail to listen to our audience, again, even if it's a one-on-one conversation. If you take the time to truly listen to your audience, you might find out something very interesting about the topics you're discussing. It might actually lead you in other directions of the conversation because you might have a plan. You want to share a certain amount of information, a certain amount of content, and you figured when that's done, the conversation's over. But what if you bring something up now using the two ears, one mouth approach, right? Listen twice as much as you speak. And you find that it actually causes you to take a departure, a fork in the road in your conversation, into new and uncharted waters. Sounds kind of funny, I know, but it's kind of exciting. Opening your ears to conversation can really, truly help you engage more effectively. The same is true for written text, such as emails, text on your phone, and of course, written documentation reports, what have you. Now, these things that we've talked about to communicate effectively require that you have confidence in what you're going to speak about. Confidence in yourself, as well as the content I briefly mentioned earlier. To have confidence, you need to know how to represent yourself during discussions. What if those discussions are one-on-one in person, virtually with video and audio, What if it's just virtual but audio only, or a standard phone call? Sometimes when you don't have the video aspects of the call, you do lose some of the communication factors involved in having a great conversation and communicating effectively. But in the second part of our show, I'm going to share with you some of the tips and techniques that I use to communicate effectively, even though it's virtually and audio only. So to wrap up for part one, we've talked about the challenges faced with communicating effectively. We started out with talking about websites, even popular job-seeking websites, that can use acronyms, which is okay, but they must be not only defined, but clearly defined so you, the end user, the customer, understand the value in why that term was brought up. I mention that because you need to make sure that if you use acronyms in your discussions, again, written or verbal, that you define them for your audience and not only just give the title of the acronym, but define the reason that it's being used or how that particular acronym plays in your conversation. Then also, don't cheapen your talk with weasel words, blanket statements. That can actually hurt you over time and lessen your authority or your position of authority. 
So, even though you use weasel words, some people say, studies show, work on removing them from your future conversation or quoting sources as needed so that it builds up your confidence, you know more uh, intimately about the content you're speaking, but if you're challenged or questioned politely, you can define it and go back to that source for reference. It might stir some new conversation. And then finally, don't forget, don't talk at them, talk to your audience, engage with them. Use the two ears, one mouth method. I hope today's part one gave you some food for thought and some ways to improve your communication. I look forward to speaking with you next week when we finish up how to communicate effectively, and that will be part two, where I'll get into how to uh, improve your communication with virtual conversations that may only be in audio form. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you so much for being a valuable listener of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I am Craig Ansell, your host. For the summertime, we are looking to grow our audience and our subscribers. Please, if you enjoy this show, share the word with others, friends, family members, coworkers. We're really looking to get the word out and grow our numbers so that we can help as many people as possible. If you ever have feedback about the show, we're on social media, at Craig Ansell, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and you can always reach me directly, Craig at CraigAnsell.com for email. God bless you. Have a wonderful week ahead. We'll wrap up the show next week with part two. 